Welcome to the Rookie Leaders Podcast, the podcast of veteran leaders offering leadership lessons to newbies. Whether you're brand new to leadership or expanding your leadership responsibilities, this podcast will provide the knowledge and experience you need to lead courageously and effectively. This podcast is a production of the Credible Leadership Group, a coaching and consulting firm devoted to your leadership development, career advancement, and personal growth. Learn more at CredibleLeaders.com. Now, here's your host, Michael Tanner. Well, hello there, friend. Michael Tanner here, your host. Welcome to another episode of the Rookie Leaders Podcast. I am so excited to share this episode with you. So thank you so much for tuning in. I'm going to be sharing with you an interview I had with uh, someone I now consider uh, my new uh, good friend, uh, Mick Spears. Uh, and I'm happy to announce as well that he has a brand new book out. And I'm happy to promote that book for him as well. But I'm Really, really excited to share this uh, this interview with him. He and I, we kind of preach the same sermon as it relates to leadership, and I'm so excited to uh, offer him uh, his wisdom to you in, in the podcast today. Uh, before I jump into that and, and a quick um, introduction of Mick Spears, let me uh, take care of a, a couple of housekeeping items. First of all, I hope you are subscribed to the podcast so that you don't miss a single episode. And I certainly hope that you will share this podcast with others as well, especially here in 2022. Now that we've entered the new year, I have a special goal in mind of my own to share this podcast with as many people as I possibly can. And I hope you will do the same. I hope you'll join me in sharing the podcast with as many people, your family, your friends, your colleagues, your coworkers, uh, anyone that you know would benefit from this leadership content. I hope that you will share the, the podcast with them. And then also, uh, uh, don't forget again that we have the leadership account, uh, leadership calendar. Well, I'll get it right in a minute. The leadership calculator available to you guys. So be sure you utilize that tool for the purpose of measuring your leadership effectiveness. You can use that tool, uh, get a score from that. You'll also receive from us a report that uh, describes for you specifically how ways that you can improve your leadership score as well. We also make available to you the opportunity to share that calculator with your team members on your behalf. And so they can take the, utilize the leadership calculator on your behalf and you'll get from, from them a similar report that describes their perception of your leadership. Uh, and once you measure your leadership, you can then obviously improve your leadership. So be sure you take advantage of that free tool that is available to you. Head over to credibleleaders.com forward slash calculator, and you can uh, take advantage of that tool. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Mick Spears. Um, I had the opportunity of meeting him uh, just a few weeks back, and then I was invited to be on his podcast. It's called The Leadership Project. I'll talk to you a little bit more about what The Leadership Project here is in just a moment. But I was invited to record a podcast episode on his uh, podcast. And as we were doing that, I said, listen, especially now understanding a little bit about your new book that's coming out, I have to have you on the Rookie Leaders podcast. And he so graciously agreed to uh, to join us here. But uh, Mick has started the, the Leadership Project, which is a movement designed to, you know, challenge thought and practices for leadership, you know, in today's world, in the modern and digital world. And the goal of the Leadership Project is to create a community of a million leaders that, that come together and share knowledge, experience, and wisdom 
uh, for the purpose of con to continually adapt and improve leadership practices in organizations, you know, across the globe. And you'll be able to tell from the accent once Mick gets on uh, on the um, the podcast here, he's not from around here. I, I tell everybody I, when I leave Georgia, I get the comments, you're not from around here, are you? Uh, but you can see that Mick is really uh, eager about advancing this uh, continual adaptation and improvement in leadership across the globe and building this 1 million member community. So uh, also he has a book uh, coming out as well. I'll let him describe that in the interview so because he does that. But then also as we finish up here, I will, uh, I'll tell you where you can find uh, links to his website, his book and so forth. So without further ado, here is my interview with Mick Spears. Mick Spears, welcome to the Rookie Leaders Podcast. I'm so excited to share you and, and your leadership wisdom with the audience at Rookie Leaders. Thanks so much for being here. It's great pleasure to be with you today, Michael, and I look forward to having this great conversation with you. You know, I, I remember um, first finding out about you. Uh, I think I was doing a search for some podcast episodes or, you know, podcasts on, on leadership. And I came across this podcast that really intrigued me entitled The Leadership Project. And so I then, you know, I started digging into that and I, uh, through that, I, I found out who you are, uh, and, and in your website, what you're doing in the leadership space, uh, and just so intrigued. I've been listening to the leadership, uh, project there. I was honored to, to record an episode there with you. And I said, Hey, I've, I have to have you in here and share your, your knowledge and what you're doing uh, with uh, with our folks on the Rookie Leaders podcast. So if you would, let's start there. Kind of, you have this this leadership project. Let's start with kind of what that is for the audience. And then how did you get to that point that you wanted to create the leadership project? Yeah, thanks, Michael. And firstly, it was a great honor to have you on our podcast as well. And that was a wonderful uh, episode. And we really appreciated you sharing your experiences, uh, particularly getting back to the your experiences from learning leadership in, in the military. And right. uh, there was a, a lot that we took from that. It was a really great episode. So thank you for doing that. What inspired me to start the Leadership Project movement? Well, and it is that. It's a movement. It's a, it's a movement with a vision to inspire all leaders to challenge the status quo, to get everyone to stop, think, and reflect about what it means to be a leader in a modern world. And it all came from some research that I was doing about the state of leadership. And I have to say that we are facing a leadership crisis. A little bit more about my background. I, I come from the mobility background. So I've been working in the last 15 years in that industry where I was looking to create a world where people could move freely around their cities without delays, without congestion, and ultimately without stress. And what I was obsessed with is I was seeing all of these people getting really stressed out on their commute to and from work. And people didn't know if it was going to take them 40 minutes to get to work or more than four hours. And I was having great success in that industry and still am. What dawned on me is that the workplace itself is still stressful. Mm -hmm. 
And I started researching uh, articles from people like ATD and from Gallup that were showing me that only 16% of people in the world truly love their job and like their boss. So it dawned on me that I was spending all of this time de-stressing someone's commute and then they were spending up to one third of their life in a workplace mm-hmm. that was stressful and that they didn't like. And it was at that moment I decided that I've got to do something to help fix that. I've got to help leaders to create purpose and meaning in the workforce and, and help leaders to create a place where everyone feels valued and where everyone feels like they matter. And then that spawned onto the podcast and writing a, uh, a bunch of blog articles. And, and the more reception I got from people that were really enjoying the content, the more it spurned me on to just do more and more. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that I remember that part of your story when we met last time uh, that you went from mobility and you, you were trying to solve the the commute problem and, and, and all. And, and I told you how, how well that resonates with me because I live here in the Atlanta, Georgia area, and I think I shared this uh, this little joke with you. We say here in Atlanta that Atlanta is an hour away from Atlanta uh, because it doesn't matter where you're going inside of Atlanta. It's about going to take you an hour to get there, right? No matter how far right. it is even. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I'm like you, even more passionate about solving that commute. Once you get into the work environment, um, and, yeah. and you, you, you still have a stressful environment. That's just no way to live. And, and I really enjoy, or I really appreciate, I know one of the mission, part of your mission statement that you describe as a part of the, uh, the leadership project is that you want to create meaningful impact. So you want to work with these leaders and empower them with, with knowledge. And, and I know you talk about emotional intelligence and all that, but I really appreciate the part where you talk about creating meaningful impact. Would you you kind of mm. kind of share your heart on well what what does that mean for leaders to create meaningful impact yeah great question michael and what it comes down to is every person on this planet wants to have purpose and meaning in their life mm-hmm. and i've got to say it's always been there it's always been the case people have wanted to work for companies where they could see the value in what they do mm-hmm. so it wasn't important what they do It was the impact of what they do that was important to them. But what I've also noticed is that that's becoming increasing and increasing generation by generation. I'm a Gen X. It was important to me. Mm -hmm. Baby boomers before, maybe not quite as much. Now we move on to Gen Y and Gen Z, and it's becoming increasingly more important for them to work in a place that has a true purpose and meaning that creates a meaningful impact on the world. And I think there's many reasons that for that shift, right? Mm-hmm. So if you think about baby boomers, they had a, a large financial commitment to get themselves set up. They had big mortgages to pay. They, they really felt a lot of loyalty to their workplace, but mm-hmm. more driven by the fact that they needed the workplace as much as the workplace needed them. Right. And then as we drift along and, and people are becoming less materialistic. They're, they're more about experiences. They're more about emotions. Um, that loyalty to a workplace just because I need the paycheck is becoming less and less. And this is why we're seeing things like the great resignation right now. Mm-hmm. So the U.S. is in this crazy situation where unemployment 
is at pretty high levels historically. And yet at the same time, industry is finding it difficult to attract and retain the talented workforce that they're looking for. That's right. And I believe the key to that is purpose and meaning because Mm -hmm. people don't need the work as much as we used to. We're not as dependent on those financial checks to pay our bills and to cover our debts. We're more interested now in making our rewarding careers based on the impact that we create rather than the dollars that we make. And it's getting increasingly more generation by generation. Yeah. You know, I, I, I so feel the same way. Um, and, and I love your logical explanation of that. And and I, I believe you can definitely see that transition through the generations. And I believe more and more today that those that we lead, they need to be they need to feel feel heard and they need to feel empowered and they need to feel equipped and and that was less the case you know back in in previous generations as you're talking about uh, but i also view it as that that's the type of leadership that has longevity right a leadership that's just based on authority or rank or an organizational chart or something yes people may do what you ask them to do but that's very short lived and I believe that's where mm. we, we fall into the trap. I, I think the, the cliche is something like uh, uh, people don't leave companies. They leave bad leaders or bad bosses. And I believe that's because they're utilizing that, that short-lived authoritative um, kind of leadership. But if your leadership is inter- if your leadership is focused on impacting the life, of those that you lead, now your leadership has some longevity in it. Um, one of the one of one of the the most popular blog articles that I wrote a, a good while back. Uh, it was basically this. It basically was a, a letter from me, and it said, "I want you to win at home as well as at work." And what and what I was the the um, the theory that I was push, putting forward in that article was, if I'm a good leader. And I, and I set you up for success in the workplace, and I do those things that you're talking about, right? I, I bring the stress down in the workplace, and I build a good, strong culture. And at work, you feel like you're succeeding. I believe that that sets you up for success at home even better. Because if you leave my leadership after eight hours a day or whatever, and you're demoralized, and you're depressed, and you're stressed, you're going to take that home. But if I can impact you positively here at work, then I've my leadership has somehow enabled and empowered you to also succeed at home. I'd love to understand if you kind of feel the same way by creating this meaningful impact with your leadership. Yeah, absolutely, Michael, and you're you're onto something here. And let me uh, go through a few of the things that you said there. So, first of all, it does have longevity. So, leadership or managerial. Uh, approaches that are task oriented that are just about achieving milestones or achieving certain quarterly targets etc there's only so long that you can actually work in that kind of environment or at that kind of uh, kind of uh, cutthroat pace of it's all about the results and nothing else and and not having a uh, a view of of how you're impacting the world so so yes purpose is something that you actually never fully achieve it's like a pulling force that propels you forever 
Like, so it's, it's, it's far more than just achieving uh, short-term results. And then that has an impact on your psyche because you believe in the work that you're doing. And when you believe and you love what you do, you can actually get into what we call a flow state uh, where you're heading in towards the world of joy, uh, where time starts becoming immaterial because you're so in the moment and you're so mindful and you're getting positive energy. It's not draining anymore. You're getting positive energy from the work that you're doing instead of going home exhausted at the end of the day. And then what you're tapping into with the home life, now we're talking a, one subset of emotional intelligence, which is about emotional triggers mm -hmm. and then how you process those emotions and how you relate to other people as you have that. So if you've been in that environment where it's a high stress environment, where it's not clear for you, even why you're doing it, like the, mm -hmm. the purpose isn't clear, the meaning isn't clear, and you just see yourself working hard, well, that drains your energy and stresses you out and puts you into an emotional state where you're going to get home and your wife or your your husband is going to ask you, uh, how was your your day dear and you one day you're just going to explode and go well actually right. it was horrible or or you you're going to have that uh that emotional reaction on your home life so by, by having purpose at work you do get positive energy out of your work instead of negative energy and you come home with a feeling of accomplishment that you did something of meaning mm -hmm. and you can be proud when you're there with your family and having the the nice time at the end of the day yeah yeah, no, I so I so resonate with that, and and we're uh, we're kind of singing the same tune, if you will. It, it feels like uh, uh, in that message. It, well, another thing I want to get to your 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 new book here in just a moment, but before I dive into that, another thing I, I really enjoy about your message, and I know I found this, uh, I believe I found it in the introductory video that's on your website, but you talk about that leadership is not rank. And I know in the recording mm -hmm. of your podcast episode, I, I got an opportunity to kind of express my feelings of that truth as well. And I expressed it from a, um, uh, from a military background because a lot of people have the misconception that in the military leadership is all about rank. Uh, so I really mm -hmm. appreciate you, you stating that, that, that wisdom, that leadership wisdom, that leadership isn't about rank. So I'd, I'd like to give you the opportunity here with the rookie leaders podcast to explain if it's not, then what is it? Mm. Oh, what a great question, uh, Michael. So leadership is not a rank. And, and this is something that I have to admit, I borrow this from Simon Sinek, but mm. then I grow upon it. And it's something that I expose to everyone that listens to the Leadership Project podcast and our movement and also in my day-to-day -day work. Leadership is not about telling people what to do at all. Mm -hmm. It's not about imposing your will because you've got a certain level in an organization, whether it be military or non-military. Leadership is about inspiring people into action mm -hmm. because they want to do it. And once you get to that level where you are inspiring people into action because they want to do it, they are now doing it of their own free will and they will work with you and for you with their heart and their soul. They're no longer working for the paycheck and, oh, the boss asked me to do this, so I did it. They're now buying in to the vision, the purpose, the meaning, because you've inspired them behind that, and they'll do whatever it takes to be successful mm -hmm. because they 
get that feeling of satisfaction that they're doing something that is important. Yeah. So yes, leadership is not a rank. It's about the behaviors of inspiring people into action because they want to do it. And then taking care of those people that you have inspired. So looking after their welfare, making sure that that they are in a good space and that they've, they're empowered, that they're energized and that they're, um, they're ready to get on with doing what, what is needed for the cause. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think therein lies the longevity in your leadership that we were talking about earlier is when you're the people that you're leading, when they have that inspiration and they have that willingness to follow, as you as you said, that they're doing what you ask or, or or they're following your leadership because they want to. They're willing to follow you. They're not doing it out of obligation or out of fear because you have a title or because you're the boss or because you could punish them in some way. And that's where the longevity of leadership is found is when people mm. want to follow you. And they want to follow you because of the inspiration and the motivation and the energy and the care and all of those things that you provide for them. So I so appreciate you, you know, kind of sharing that and, and reiterating that message. I know mm -hmm. the Rookie Leaders audience have heard that from me many times, uh, but I really love for them to hear it from other leadership uh, uh, experts as well. So thanks for, for sharing that. Well, I want to I want to kind of shift gears a little bit because. I know as of the airing of this podcast episode, you have a new book out, right? And I, and I believe it was actually published just yesterday. Um, and we're, I want to get into kind of the details of that book a little bit, as much as you want to share and all. But always, before I get into the, the logistics and nitty gritty of a, of a book, I always have to ask my authors, why in the world did you want to go to all of the trouble and all the hard work, because I know writing a book, getting it published, and then promoting and all that, I know that's a lot of hard work. So I want to understand what is it inside of you that that drove mm. you to do all of that hard work and get a book out? Yeah, great question, Michael. And to be frank, it is a lot of hard work. So you you know it, right? So it, it takes a lot to mm -hmm. uh, get your thoughts organized, get it down, uh, writing all, writing it all, going through the process, getting it edited, uh, getting out there and uh, getting it published, and and then now into the into the marketing of the book. It is a lot of effort, mm -hmm. but it's a hundred percent. Is it worth it? I, books have had a major impact on my life. I've I've learned so much from my predecessors and and other people that have put out, mm -hmm. you know, groundbreaking books that have changed my life. And I wanted to have that same impact. I wanted to be able to share the message that I've got about leadership to as broad an audience as possible. And books to this day still remain a very good way of doing that. Mm -hmm. If you go into uh, all kinds of other areas, um, you and I do podcasts. Podcasts are a very good mm -hmm. source of information as well. When you go into other things like uh, YouTube, and, and I also do YouTube, all of mm -hmm. these things. Right there is a flood of information there and it's not always easy to cut through with a very clear message of what someone needs to know mm -hmm. to become a great leader. So I thought it was really important to collect all of those thoughts together, put them in a structure where someone can follow this kind of proven path to high, high performance leadership and have something that makes sense end to end instead of the, the kind of the sporadic 
uh, searching for ideas or searching for tips from other people from other sources. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. You know, I kind of equate it to this. I, I teach when I teach leadership, I teach that leadership is very burdensome. Uh, it, it, it carries with it a lot of, a lot of weight uh, of, of burden. It carries with it a lot of responsibilities. There, there's a lot of hard work in leadership, but then I always quickly follow that up with, but it is definitely worth it. It is so worth it to see people succeed, to see people energized and inspired all those things we were talking about earlier. It is so worth all the hard work. And I kind of equate that to books, right? So yes, it is a tremendous amount of work, but then to be able to create that meaningful impact in the reader that you that you talk about in teaching your leadership, mm-hmm. that is so worth it. And I agree with you completely that um, books are definitely where the reach is at, right? You, you want to spread mm-hmm. and I want to spread this, this message of meaningful leadership we want to spread this to as many people as we can, and book is uh, a book is a certainly uh, good avenue uh, on which to do that. Well, well, let's let's get into kind of the title and and it, the premise uh, behind the book and, and some of the details that you want to share with the audience uh, that they'll find in the book, if you would. Yeah. Uh, so, interestingly, I mean, leadership is is such a huge topic, Michael, mm-hmm. as you know, and yes. I have a look at people like. John C. John C. Maxwell. He's written eighty-three books on right. leadership, and he still isn't finished. Right. right. So, exactly. so it is a huge topic, right? So, what I decided to do is I needed to narrow down on a specific sub- segment of people that are looking for some kind of transformation in the way that they look at leadership. And I stopped and thought, well, actually, much the same as I think about your podcast, Michael. Who are the people that we can have the biggest impact on in terms of? growing the future. Mm-hmm. And I decided that it was first-time leaders. So the title of the book is called You're a Leader, Now What? Mm-hmm. And it's the proven path to high-performance leadership. And what I discovered as I was researching into this, I'm going into my uh, my avatar and thinking about the, the person that I'm trying to reach out to. When that person gets their very first leadership role, they go through an emotional roller coaster. Mm-hmm. They get the dizzying highs of excitement because they've just been recognized and rewarded with their promotion. But that's immediately followed by, for most people, some level of anxiety because nobody has shown them what it means to be a leader. Mm-hmm. The typical story is someone that is usually very good at their craft, whatever their chosen domain is. That's right. They might be an outstanding software engineer an accountant, they might be a graphic artist, very good at what they do. They might be in digital marketing. Mm-hmm. And then they get tapped on the shoulder and say, congratulations for, for, you know, in recognition of your wonderful talent, you're now getting promoted into a leadership role. It could be a team leader, it could be mm-hmm. a manager, it could be even higher in some cases. And it dawns on them that no one has actually shown them what to do. Right. So then what they do is they look around at other leaders around them. They look at the leaders that came before them and their only reference point is to mimic those behaviours that they've seen before. And as we've discussed, that's a really hit and miss opportunity. If they're lucky enough to have an inspirational leader that they can uh, follow and 
tailor their own approach from, then great. But there's a very good chance that they've had a plethora of bad bosses before them and they're going to think that that is what it means to be the boss. That's right. And they'll just start copying that behaviour and it never stops. So so I really thought that for my first book, and it is the first of many, that for my first book I want to talk to that first-time leader and tell them that, hey, everything's going to be okay. Right. I help them get past that anxiety and then show them the path to inspirational leadership instead of mimicking those behaviors of perhaps bad bosses that they've had in the past. Yeah. No, Mick, I, I love this. And the audience in the Rookie Leaders podcast here is is certainly the audience for your book as well. And and I have that that exact same passion to uh, to help those individuals that that are, are new to leadership. They're brand new to leadership. And I know you spoke briefly a little earlier about the leadership crisis. And I know here in the States, and I think it's probably around the world as well, there's one aspect of what I consider to be the leadership crisis, and that is uh, people like you just described that are, that are the high performers in whatever their subject matter is, they get promoted into leadership but they don't get supported. They don't get trained. And, and I think part mm-hmm. of the one aspect of the leadership crisis is too many companies, too many businesses or teams, they don't see the need to train leadership. And so they pr- promote these high performers. And now these high performers are leaders. But then what starts to happen is that team that they now lead starts to fall apart. And, and that's because, yeah, they were great salesmen, but they're not a great sales manager, right? And so that's a part of the, and I, and so any effort to help those brand new leaders like that, I'm all in. And that's why I love your book. And that's definitely why I wanted to share this book and, and this, uh, your wisdom and knowledge with this, uh, with this, uh, the rookie leaders podcast here. I so appreciate that. Well, if you would, let's dive in a, a little bit. I mean, I'm, I know you've got some, some proven tactics in your book and uh, I don't necessarily have one in mind, but but I'm sure you do. If if there's one or two, maybe that we can give the audience here a little bit of, hey, here's what you can do as a brand new leader uh, to be that inspirational mm-hmm. leader that we talked about. What would that be? Yeah, great question. And the book is full of so many different things, uh, Michael, that we could follow through. But if I if I went through some of these things. Some of the things that have changed my leadership over time is to really understand the psychology of the people that you're leading. Starting with things like, how do people learn? When you understand the psychology of how someone learns, you're in a much better place to coach and lead them into action. So if you look at something like Glass's Pyramid, for example, it tells you that people only remember 10% of what they read. 20% of what they hear, 30% of what they uh, see, 50% of what they see and hear. But then they remember 70% of what they talk about with other people, 80% of what they experience for themselves, and 95% of what they're able to teach to someone else. So once you understand some of these psychological aspects, it changes the way that you might direct someone. Mm-hmm. Instead of just giving them the answer from the outset, you need to take them through a journey of discovery so that they discover the answer for themselves. Yeah. And by getting to that level, they take extreme ownership of that. It's now theirs. 
they own it. They mm-hmm. discovered it themselves. They come up with the plan rather than the boss just telling them what to do and how to do it. So tapping into those kind of psycho- psychological aspects of the people that you lead, that includes through to things like emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. not just listening to what someone is saying, but listening to the emotion that's behind all of that. Understanding your own emotions, your own emotional triggers and being able to control your own emotions so that you're not that erratic boss that people don't know or is the boss in a good bad, good or bad mood today. Mm-hmm. And then being able to tap into the emotions of others. This is how you inspire them. And this is also understanding the psychology of how people make decisions. Mm-hmm. And this is relatively recent, but we know more and more about the neuroscience of decision-making now than ever before and understanding that everyone in this world, and there's going to be some people in your audience right now, Michael, that do not believe what I'm about to say, and they'll discover it one day, most of them, right. that people make decisions emotionally right. and they justify them rationally. Mm-hmm. So don't go to your team with justifications and rationale, et cetera, et cetera. Tap into the emotion, tell them stories, get them engaged in what you're doing. And then if they're engaged, they're ready to be empowered. Mm -hmm. And once they're empowered, they'll be energized to go and do great things. So really, I mean, there's many things throughout the book, but if I had to say the common thread is tapping into the psychology of how people think mm-hmm. and tapping into emotional intelligence for greater impact. Yeah. So I want to, I want to follow up with a question, but first I want to agree with you completely. Um, you, you know, the, and I will, I will get this wrong, but there's a saying some, something along the lines of, you know, people may forget what you taught them, but they will never forget how you made them feel. And I think that's yeah. that's very much related to to what you're saying here is is you know if you if you learn enough about your people and you make your people feel cared for and supported and inspired and energized and all those things that we talked about earlier, they're not going to forget that feeling, uh, mm. you know, and they're they're going to be uh, continue to be that willing follower that you're that you're talking about. Right. But as you're talking to some of these leaders and and like we we talked about the the craft that they that they may be very skilled in right now a salesman or a software engineer or whatever it might be there's some in the audience that are brand new leaders that are saying well wait 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 a minute Mick I'm not I'm no psychologist right and so you are you suggesting I've got to go get some formal education in psychology so that I can be a good leader here so what do you say to that individual and how can they begin to understand the psychology of those that they yeah. lead? Yeah. So I don't recommend that they go and study psychology. It, <laughs> it's uh, it probably won't help in the long run because it gets very deep, right. but understanding the psychology of human beings. So just understanding what makes human beings tick sufficiently enough that you can go and tap into them and you don't have to go too far to study this. There's someone that you know very well that you can sit there and research, and that's yourself, right? So sit there and understand what kind of workplace do I enjoy? What are my psychological needs? When I was a team member, what was I looking for? What did I like? What did I not like? Right. And this is about studying leaders before you once again now, but the 
looking for positive and negative. So I, I have this concept of the amalgam leader where you think about all of the experiences that you've had in the workplace and you classify them as to whether they were motivating or demotivating, inspirational or really annoyed the hell out of you, right? Mm -hmm. So write those down and remember them, remember those and build your picture of an amalgam leader that picks, oh, I really liked, you know, when I worked for that guy, Chris, and he was really inspirational or I, I worked for, you know, this lady over here, Kelly, and I really liked when she did this, but you know, that boss I had that was Bill, when he did this, it made me feel mm -hmm. like a piece of dirt, right? Mm -hmm. So remember taking in all of those things and remember the feelings of how you felt at those different times. And it helps you build your profile of what you need to give your team the workplace that they want. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And those psychological needs, they go quite deep, right? So what people are looking for, they're looking for a psychologically safe environment mm -hmm. where their voice is heard, where their voice is valued, and ultimately that they feel like they individually and collectively matter. Mm -hmm. And if you can create that, you've then got the workings of something that you can uh, convert into an inspirational workspace and an inspirational team. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, and, and I especially like your, your, you know, evaluation of yourself. All right. And yes, I, you don't have to be some uh, educated psychologist to evaluate yourself and, and really intentionally and be mindful of how do you feel in certain situations and under certain types of leadership and so forth. Mm -hmm. It very much aligns with a principle that I teach in leadership. Uh, I kind of teach the golden rule of leadership. The golden rule is, right, treat others the way you would want to be treated. Uh, and and I, I teach that because I get a lot of questions. You maybe get them like this as well. I get a lot of questions that are in the form of, how would you deal with a situation or how would you lead in a situation where blank, right? Uh, where mm -hmm. someone is disgruntled, where you have to get a poor performance review, right? Where, how would you lead in a situation where, and I always respond with, well, how would you want to be led in that situation, right? If mm -hmm. you were the poor performer, how would you want to be led in that situation? And I love that principle because we can all evaluate how we would want to be led in that situation. And then that puts us in a safe place to go and lead by, right? Um, there's mm. another principle called the platinum rule, and that is treat others the way they yes. would want to be treated. And if we have a relationship good enough that we know in that situation how they want to be treated, wonderful. But if we don't mm. have that relationship yet, yeah. we can fall back on, well, how would I want to be? led in that situation yeah. you, you've nailed it michael and i just want to build on it a little bit so mm -hmm. so the golden rule is a good place to start so the golden rule treat other people the way that you would want to be treated that's a great starting point until you get to know someone right and then you need to imply the apply the platinum rule and that is to treat other people the way they want to be treated and a lot of leaders scratch their head at this point and go well how would i know the way that they want to be treated and so the answer is so simple. It's right in front of your face. You ask them. Right, exactly. So a great leader is able to ask their team questions about their preferences, what they like, what they dislike. How do they like to receive feedback? How do they like to be rewarded? Mm -hmm. And the more that you know about them, the more in tune you can be with their, their performance and the ability to communicate them with them in that effective way. Right. So, yeah. 
start with golden rule, move on to the platinum rule as soon as you can. Yeah, love that, love that. Well, let me ask you this too, Nick or Mick. Um, I the audience of a brand new leader, it is clear that that is the audience of your book and the content of this book. But I'm also wondering mm-hmm. for that leader that that maybe they've been in leadership for some time now, right? They've been in leadership for yeah. a few years, um, but maybe they feel a bit plateaued in this leadership, they haven't gotten any additional responsibilities of late or, or their team hasn't grown in size or something like that. How might your book and the principles in it, do you feel like help that leader that's, that has a few years behind them, but feel like they're mm-hmm. in a plateau? Yeah, great question. And it opens up to let me say that there's actually two other audiences that uh, they can get a great value out of the book. The one that you described now is absolutely. So if you're a leader that's been out there and you've gone so far and you've had some success, but you didn't quite get to the levels that you expected, this book can be a great reference for you to look at your own behaviors and map them against the book and go, okay, ah, that's where I went wrong here. So one of the chapters, for example, what are the seven most common mistakes that leaders make, for example? Uh, check yourself against those mistakes and give yourself an honest scorecard against it. If there's some very specific examples, because I, I use a lot of storytelling in the book, mm-hmm. and if you see yourself in some of the stories of where some of the mistakes go or, or going down the wrong path, you'll be able to get that self-awareness and it then gives you tips on what you can do differently if you have fallen into some of those traps. And the second one I want to talk about, which I think is really important, there's lots of people out there like you and I, Michael, that want to mentor the next generation. Mm -hmm. So you might have been a successful leader in your own right and you've had your own uh, success in that regard and now you're trying to lead the next generation through and trying to create more leaders. Well, it's a great reference for that as well because I do talk a lot about generational change. I talk about a lot about how millennials are different to previous generations. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking to mentor a new leader that's a millennial, there's a lot of great tips in the book that can help you with that. Awesome. Awesome. Good. Well, I, I know that that um, no matter who you are in the audience of the Rookie Leaders Podcast, this book applies to you, right? I know uh, a fair amount about the audience that is listening to this podcast, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm certain that this book applies to each and every listener that I have. And so because I know that so firmly, I want to make sure that everyone listening to the podcast knows exactly how to get their hands on the book. Uh, But also I'm guessing that there are listeners of the podcast that want to connect it maybe in a deeper way with you as well. So if you would Mick, share that, you know, how can we get our hands on the book and then what's the best way to, to, find out more about what you're doing beyond the book and connect with you in a closer relationship. Yeah. Thanks, Michael. So uh, the book is available on Amazon in in both a a Kindle version and also a paperback. Uh, Next year, it'll also be available as an audio book. So if you want me to talk through the book and there'll be little bonuses with the audio book where I explain some of the thinking behind the book as well in the audio book. So that'll, that will be next year Um, to get, uh, in contact with me, the best way is through www.mixspears.com, M-I-C-K-S-P-I-E-R-S, 
com, and you can get a hold of me there. The, the book is available there as well, but you can also see some of the other things that we do on a, on a regular basis. We also have our Facebook community group, which is a very active group where it's not just me in there. There's other leaders that are in there challenging each other and asking questions and putting forward ideas. So I'd love to have you part of our leadership project Facebook community group as well. Awesome. And, and I will have uh, links to all of that in the show notes uh, for this uh, podcast episode as well. So uh, be sure you check out those links uh, and, and connect with, with Mick, find uh, find the book and, and be sure you get your hands on that. Uh, Mick, I, I really appreciate one, you giving me the opportunity to be a part of the, the leadership project in your podcast, but really thank you so much for taking your time today and sharing your wisdom with me uh, and the audience. Uh, we are better leaders having spent some time with you, and I know we'll be better leaders having spent some time in your book as well. So thank you so much for sharing this time with us today. Thank you so much, Michael, and thank you on behalf of everyone for all the work that you do to also push people's thinking about what it means to be a leader and to be a rookie leader. Thank you, Michael. Okay, there, there you have it, friend. My interview with Mick Spears, such a good conversation. As I mentioned earlier on, uh, he and I are just kind of preaching the same sermon as it relates to uh, to leadership. And I know you heard that in that interview as well. And hey, I want to leave you with this. Uh, be sure you check out the show notes for this podcast episode. Head over to rookieleaders.com. This is episode number 83, rookieleaders.com. You'll find episode number 83. In the show notes of this episode, you'll find links to uh, Mick's uh, website. You'll find his book there and so forth. So be sure you check that out. Also, before I let you go, again, don't forget about the Leadership Calculator. Take advantage of that. CredibleLeaders.com forward slash calculator. And until I speak to you again next time, be blessed and lead well. This episode of the Rookie Leaders Podcast has ended, but never fear. You can find other binge-worthy podcasts and episodes at rookieleaders.com. If you like this episode, please rate and write a review in iTunes. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. And remember to share this episode with your friends and colleagues looking for leadership lessons of their own. We appreciate your support. For more great leadership content, head over to credibleleaders.com.